0: In. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you need to get those Z's.
1: And if you do need to snooze, um, you know, we'd much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon right here uh, on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast.
0: Of course you'll miss out on some intergenerational interactions and you'll miss out on support and encouragement from your fellow pewmates. You might miss some inspiring music or those charming children at children's time and um, we don't have any cookies. Sorry. Ugh, we're the but cookies. we'll give you what we can.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we're United Methodist pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not preaching experts. We're not theological experts. We are Just Your Average Pastors, uh, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week uh, right here in Reno.
0: We started this podcast so that if you can't make it to our pews on Sunday morning, you still get to experience some of the ideas that were floating around uh, our congregations and that we're having conversations about.
1: Yeah, and so each episode uh, is a sermon. It's not really a sermon, though. It's sort of a conversation about the sermon that we gave on Sunday. So whatever day you're listening to this, go ahead and snuggle in, you know, prepare to have your minds blown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, just, you know, just get ready to listen and, you know, be comfortable when you're doing that. We hope that you receive this with an open mind and an open heart.
0: And we want you. I want to make a note that uh, we don't actually expect that everyone will agree with everything we say. And we actually might disagree with one another on the things we say.
1: We, we do quite often.
0: We do quite often, but. <laughs> But what we want you to do is to figure out what you think. Um, that that we would sincerely hope that you would listen and
1: experience God in these words and in what we have to say. Hopefully. Yeah. So we'll see. Because I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Again, uh, I'm Chris. I serve a downtown church in Reno, and uh, every week on the front cover of the bulletin or the program or whatever you might call it, we put an inspirational quote. Today's inspirational quote is from St. Augustine, and it says this. It says, Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are Anger and Courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. And I put that on the front of the bulletin because today we're talking about hope. Um, We're sort of out of order in the Advent series. Most people start with hope. And then move on to peace and joy and love. Um, but we're shaking it up by switching to the weeks. Wow. Wild and Whoa. crazy. Wild and crazy. So, slow down there, progressives. Oh, my gosh. Why would um, you do that? Because of a book that the class is using, actually, is the reason. Uh, so we're talking about hope today. It's the second week of Advent, December 4th. And we're talking about hope. And so, like, what, what does hope mean? What does hope look like? Uh, so the story that I started with this morning is a story about a little boy who made his parents a gift in preschool and uh, at the preschool, you know, they make crafts for their parents all the time. They make mother's day cards and father's day cards and it's pretty stinking adorable. But this particular preschool had made very special gifts for the holidays for their families. And this is the point at which I feel the need to tell my congregation that there are 29 holidays between December 1st and January 15th. Christmas is not the only one. So if I catch any of them freaking out for somebody telling them happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, we're going to have a little come to Jesus talk. Anyway, they're making gifts for the winter holidays for the preschool. And they have an open house and all the parents come in and the grandparents come in and they get to see all of the classrooms and all the places where the kids are playing. And then when they leave, they get to take... This special gift that their child has made home with them, and it's wrapped in tissue paper, which I imagine also has about a mile of tape wrapped around it. Yep. And as uh, one kid is leaving, he drops it, and you hear this shattering noise. Oh. And dad, trying to comfort him, says, "It's okay, buddy. It doesn't matter." and the Aww. kid bursts into tears yes yes because that will
0: totally make a kid burst. of
1: course tears. it matters right he spent yes. all this time working on it and so the story ends with the mother sort of kneels down and said of course it matters it matters a lot and she cries with her son as a way of sort of saying you know like what this kid has put his effort into is not just some throwaway thing it's something that matters and so uh, this is where we start with that what we do matters yes what we do matters and the scripture for this week is Matthew 3, uh, 1 through 12. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a story about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, uh, the original crunchy vegan mm-hmm, uh, living mm-hmm. in the desert. That crazy guy. The crazy guy in the cloth uh, made out of camel hair and a leather belt. Um, <laughs> just, he's like the original Burning Man, this guy. And I'd like to point out that he's not screaming at people in front of a concert venue with a bullhorn and pamphlets. Yes. Nope. He's not uh, protesting at City Hall. He goes out into the wilderness, and people go out into the wilderness to hear what he has to say, because what he's saying is actually pretty radical. What he's saying is, you don't have to do things the same way forever. What a crazy thought. Right? Change is possible. In fact, the word that he uses is repent. And what repent means, literally, is to rethink. It's the same root word as, like, pensive, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is a Harry Potter thing. Harry Potter. But also... An adjective in English. No. (laughs) That means thoughtful. Thoughtful. So so anyway, so to repent means to just reconsider. And what he's telling people as they come out into the desert is to reconsider how they're living their lives because their lives matter. So the idea is, you know, if we have this loving God, sometimes I hear the loophole of, well, you can do anything you want and just pray for forgiveness. Nope. And the idea is that what you do actually matters. matters. And so John is saying how you live your life is important. So rethink, reconsider, what are the things that you spend time on? What are the things you don't spend time on, right? So everybody's coming out into the desert to hear this good word, to kind of do this ceremonial baptism thing, which is a way of starting over in Jewish faith, a way of sort of letting go of what has yeah. been and taking on something new. And uh, in the midst of all of this, it becomes trendy. To yeah. go out to the desert and see this raving lunatic and, and check everything out. So it's less about reconsidering your life and more about going along with the crowd right which is the opposite of what john's talking about right so these pharisees and sadducees who are like the religious elite at the time they go out and john not having to worry about tenure starts to scream at them and he calls them lots of lovely things in the bible um lots of lovely names for them but then he describes it this way. He says, what counts is your life, not your heritage, not whatever you think you're entitled to. Right. What counts is your life. And is it green? green? Is it growing? Because if it's deadwood, it goes on the fire.
0: And that's a crazy concept even now, right?
1: Right. If it's dead, wood, it goes on the fire. And then he talks about what baptism means. And he talks about that Jesus is going to be coming and he's going to be getting people ready for Jesus. Like he's trying to help people rethink their lives, reconsider their values so that when Jesus comes along, they can actually hear a good word. All right. Okay. So there's the scripture. John is threatening to throw people in the fire. Now it would be real easy for religious people to say, oh yes, all of the growing parts of the orchard are inside the church walls and all of the deadwood is outside of the church walls. But who John's saying this to are the religious people. They're the, they're the pew sitters every week. They're the clergy. It's you and me. Yep. Um, and people who have podcasts of sermons. Well,
0: what he's saying, you know, when you become comfortable with this, you should be careful.
1: Yeah. You'd be real careful, real careful. Um, but what I talked to my congregation about was not considering that there are people who are living trees and people who are dead trees, but that each one of us is an orchard, right? Mm. Each one of us is cultivating what we hope will feed, ourselves. will feed our world. We'll feed our community. We're, we're trying to grow lives that matter, that are useful and helpful and practical and beautiful. But sometimes we spend a lot of our time working on dead trees. Sometimes there are things that suck up our time and our attention and our resources that don't actually matter, that don't actually give us life, that just stress us out and get us frustrated and keep us in these loops of the tapes in your head that mm-hmm. tell you horrible things because you're a failure and all of this yes. stuff, right? And so that part of us, part of our work during Advent, in order to get to the manger, in order to see the space where God arrives, is to get rid of the deadwood, is to actually make some room, right? So what does this have to do with hope? <laughs> well, the idea is that this is not a judgmental process, and this is not a nostalgic process, Ooh. right? Okay, Ooh. so so judgment is saying there's something wrong with everybody and there's something wrong with me, and that's not where we're, we're going. What right. we're what we're talking about is. We take responsibility for our world and for ourselves the way we are. Yeah. And we can do that without saying it's good or bad. Right. We can do that with just saying this is how it is. Right. And then, you know, choosing something different. But we get trapped in judgment when it's really not about judgment at all.
0: Well, and it's not about... Judgment has a sense that there's one way to go forward. Right. And often what we experience is that... We stop and analyze. We could continue the path we're on, yeah. But there might be a different path that leads us, you know, even five millimeters off the path we're on. That is actually where we need to be. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. That there's and it's nuance. not like
0: it's not like I have to turn from a hundred and eighty degrees.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To reconsider 200. means to adjust course, right? right? To adjust well, course. Well,
0: and my understanding of repent is, is to turn.
1: Yeah. And turn doesn't
0: mean a hundred and eighty. It degrees. can be five degrees.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, it can just be an adjustment. An adjustment, yeah. The other place that we get stuck this time of year is in nostalgia. Oh, yes. Particularly, and I'm not naming any names right now, but people whose kids have left home, Mm -hmm. um, who are used to the holidays looking like a certain thing and being a certain tone Mm -hmm. and having a certain amount of frenetic energy around them, all of a sudden that changes because the kids aren't at home and the holiday has lost all meaning, right? we get stuck in nostalgia the good old days if anybody could tell me the last time america was great um i would gladly take on that argument because there's always been ups and downs and nostalgia is a way of glossing over the thing the way things really were Mm -hmm. because yeah there was some fun energy but there was also the kids being over sugared and overtired and driving everybody crazy and you know there's ups and downs to everything there's the late nights of putting the toys together and the the wrapping that took, took days.
0: It takes minutes to undo. And yeah, it's all in there.
1: It's all, it's all wrapped up in there. And, and so for me, nostalgia is not as useful as memory. Nostalgia is hope pointed in the wrong direction. Ooh, I like that. One of my favorite definitions of forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. Mm -hmm. Um, In other words, it's not about saying everything was Okay. It's not about saying that the way people have hurt you is fine with you. It's about saying, I can't change that anymore and I'm not going to hold on to it. Yeah, I'm not going to let that dictate who I am or how I respond to the world. Yeah. So forgiveness is really important because it's about recognizing that the past is the way the past was um, and you can't change it. And so instead of covering things with a layer of nostalgia to kind of say that happened and now what? So hope plays into this because if you direct your hope in the right direction, if you hope direct your hope towards the future, all of a sudden it gives you the freedom of agency. You have a choice. How will you spend your attention, spend your time, spend your resources? What are the trees you're going to cultivate and what are the trees you're going to let go? Because even in this story, and this is perhaps me giving it a little spin that it, it doesn't inherently have, this idea that there are trees you need to chop down and go in the fire, like that's fuel for something. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Even the deadwood is fuel for something.
0: And even the deadwood has a purpose.
1: Even the deadwood has a purpose. It gets used, right? It gets used. So even our anger and our frustration and all of those things can feed into a deeper life if we allow ourselves to be reflective and not get caught in judgment or nostalgia. So that was sort of the idea of the sermon. And the example that I used was about the way that giving after the election Mm -hmm. skyrocketed in an unprecedented way. Right. Right. So in the five days after the election, giving, and this was reported on by the Atlantic and the Washington post and a bunch of other newspapers, but giving um, skyrocketed because a lot of people said, okay, I'm freaked out right now. This didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And I'm concerned about some of the rhetoric that was used during the election that seemed to judge women, people of color, people of particular religions, all of that. And so instead of sitting around and simply complaining or instead of feeling hopeless or getting stuck in, oh man, weren't the last eight years great, people have been putting their money where their mouth is and saying, man, if I really care about uh, Muslim people, if I really care about people of color not facing discrimination at work, if I really care about women having the right to access the healthcare that they need, Maybe I should do something about it. And so all of that anger, all of that frustration, all of that anxiety gets chopped down and burned up and feeds action. So um, uh, things like the Trevor Project, right, which Mm -hmm. helps to reduce suicide rates among LGBTQ youth, they saw that their giving had skyrocketed. And they weren't expecting it. They weren't doing a fundraising campaign, nothing like that. The Trevor Project, the ACLU, this is one of my favorite stories. The ACLU uh, raised 15 million dollars from over 300,000 donors. Wow. Okay, post-election. Now, they had planned this whole campaign around what was going to happen when Hillary won because that was all of the all of the statistics, all the polls, Hillary was going to win. They planned this whole campaign. They had not planned a campaign for what would happen if Donald Trump won the election. And so they, they were sort of scrambling, and they hadn't really pulled it together yet, and $15 million came in. Um, for uh, comparison's sake, when President Obama was elected in 2008, their whole campaign that year mm-hmm. raised 28000 So 28000 in 2008, $15 million yeah. wow, in 2016. People who care about the ACLU having the resources it needs to protect people from workplace discrimination based on the color of their skin. Amazing. The Anti-Defamation League, of course, got tons of uh, support because they really uh, work on anti-Semitism, which can be anti-Jewish or anti-Muslim sentiment. So their um, giving online uh, went up by 50 times. (laughs) Their number of calls that they got went up by 20 times, and 90% of those were first-time givers. Wow. The Council on American-Muslim Relations... Uh, American-Islamic relations, sorry. Um, they don't do fundraising in November. That's not, the, that's not the time that they do their big push. They do their big push during Ramadan. Yeah. And so they weren't expecting this, but they got tons of money. Uh, they got tons of phone calls. They got tons of support. And then this is my favorite one because it plays into something that the Apostle Paul says as well. Planned Parenthood had 260,000 donations. 260,000 donations, 25% of which... Ended up becoming like regular pledgers. Mm -hmm. But this is my favorite part. 72,000 of those 260,000 donations Mm -hmm. um, were in honor of Mike Pence. (laughs) Right? Okay. So governor of Indiana, vice president elect. Yep. um, Famous for creating really restrictive legislation around women's health Mm -hmm. um, and trying to defund Planned Parenthood. 72,000 donations in honor of Mike Pence, which means... Planned Parenthood sends a thank you card for every donation. (laughs) So the governor's office in Indiana has been inundated by 72,000 thank you cards from people who decided this was kind of funny, which just goes to show, if you can't do something good because it's the right thing to do, do it because it will annoy your enemies, right? Amen. (laughs) Amen. um, Paul says that. It will heap burning coals Coals on their heads. heads. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Human nature, if you can't do it because it's the right thing to do, do it because it will annoy the people who annoy you. Which is super Christian. <laughs> it's a super Christian thing to do, but I just love that like all of this anger and frustration and anxiety obviously worked itself out in action, in money to organizations that know what they're doing, that are organized, and that can make an impact. Yes, um, and I think that's beautiful. That gives me hope because what it shows is what we what we do really does matter. Um, what we do really is important, and. I told one more story, which was a story that Susan and I heard last night. We had a Leonard Cohen tribute concert. Perla Bataya came to Reno first through Art Town and performed. And she told stories about Leonard Cohen. She was his backup singer and his friend. And she told a story about his first folk concert. It was a folk festival in Canada. And Judy Collins had asked him to come play. And he said, sure. And he was just beginning to get some notoriety around his poetry and his, and his writing. And he shows up at this concert and Judy Collins does this great introduction, up and comer, Leonard Cohen. And he starts to walk across the stage and he looks out and he sees the thousands and thousands of people who have come to listen to all of these folk musicians and have come for this concert to hear him. And he just keeps walking and he just walks off the stage and he walks over and and Judy's still on stage and she doesn't know what to do. So she's just kind of standing there. And he walks over to his agent who was a guy named Marty and Marty says, Leonard, what are you doing? And Leonard replies, and he says, I can't sing. And Marty says, nobody comes to a folk festival to hear singing. None of you can sing. He says, uh, that's not why if you want to hear singers, you go to the Met, right? People go to a folk festival to hear poetry, to hear people talking about the issues they care about. But folk festivals are not usually where you hear fantastic vocals. I think it's important for us to recognize that what we do matters and that some of the deadwood might be us having a misperception of where our gifts are Mm-hmm. spending a lot of time on those gifts that aren't ours. And so if you can't sing, don't sing, do something else, write poetry. If you can't write poetry, give money. If you can't give money, give time. If you can't give time, make friends with people who are different from yourself, but that what we do matters and that the hope is that God recognizes that what we, what we do matters, that it's not just, oh, you know, buddy, it's okay, whatever, it's fine, Um, God is saying, no, think think about this. Think about how you want to spend your time. Think about how you want to do this because there is hope in the fact that what we do can have an impact. So that was sort of this breakdown of Matthew. It was a longer sermon, but I just felt like, man, I, I hear so much anxiety and rage over the election. And I just want to say, you know, it's okay to feel all those things and also use them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And don't let that be the the end. Hope has the last word, not all this other stuff. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Hope, is, hope is the destination that keeps you on track. Yep. Um, last week, you know, in my super depressing sermon, sorry about that, guys, um, was sort of this image of the ideal, what the kingdom of God looks like, people at peace with, with justice and joy. And that, you know, like, this is not a realistic image. This is never going to happen. But that's what keeps us on track. We're still working towards it. And it gets a little better and a little better and a little better every time
0: definitely and yeah. and hopefully what we're doing now will will pull more people into that dream yeah maybe that's the you know
1: who knows so I don't know what your thing is man I don't know I don't know where your gifts are if you are a skateboarder who can start a group of people who do a fundraiser for people who like lollipops <laughs> yeah whatever I'm, your I'm thing not is. taking up skateboarding Chris so you're not good at skateboarding no, no uh, I don't not have hard enough time walking with my feet on the ground don't give me any gosh. wheels but, you know, there's things that all of us can do. Yep. Um, Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are Anger and Courage. Use it. Use your anger and let it give you courage to do something. Because what you do, it matters. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I think that's a long enough podcast for uh, this round. Yep. But, thanks. you know, thanks for listening.
0: And um, if you have any questions for us, we yeah. have an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com mm-hmm.
1: we also are available on facebook and what scripture did you read so this was based um, on? matthew 3 1 through 12 i quoted a little bit from the message by eugene h peterson which is a paraphrase and not a translation Yeah. Um, you know.
0: and uh, we want to thank uh, the jazar for our theme music What's the blessing you have for us? So
1: the blessing is this, what you do matters. And I give my congregation homework every week. And the homework is this. Go out and love every person you meet, even the ones you might not think deserve it, because God thinks they do. One of the radical things is that we have hope, but God also has hope for us, right? Like God has not given up on us yet. So um, have hope, go out and love somebody, even if you don't think it might be worth it. Uh, Give it a shot, see what happens. Because you know, there's value in trying. What you do matters. Bye, guys. Bye.